Let's take the classic wobbly chair, for example. I mean, we've all been there, right? Chairs wobbling. Your lady goes to sit down in it. Oh, it's like she's sitting on the Titanic. That's not good. And what do you do? You reach for the closest paper towel, try to stiff it up, stuff it underneath. Wrong! Half a man! Good morning and welcome to episode 209 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lidberg, joined by Sam Miller. I feel like maybe before... You've... Yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I go feel ahead. like maybe before we, we say our topics, we should summarize the response we got to the to the refund idea. Yeah, I... We got more emails about, about that. that one topic than we have gotten about any any other single topic, I think. Yeah, I, I thought maybe we would let it go one more day. Okay. And then we, we could sum them up tomorrow. Okay, we can do that. Is, is what I was thinking. So if anyone has more thoughts or ideas about how to, to make that work, the, the idea we talked about on yesterday's podcast about giving fans refunds when when their home team loses, um, let us know. And charging, and charging more, charging mm-hmm. more for the ticket. Uh, yeah, so what are you going to talk about, though? Uh, wanted to Do you want to talk about why you've d- int- introduced the show every day this week? Yeah, I, that's, I don't know why that is. I don't, I don't know. I'm not really trying to hog it. I'll let you, I'll let you do it tomorrow, I guess. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so tune in. <laughs> yeah, Sam will be saying good morning on tomorrow's show. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about, I guess, the Dodgers and Grit. Wow, that actually is going to probably dovetail nicely with my topic, which is veterans. Oh, all right. Excellent. I'm not sure we have much to say today. This might be a short one. Yeah, maybe. We've been going long lately, so we We have earned a short one. uh, Yeah, we've built up some goodwill. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, why don't – well, I'm curious to know where you're going to go with this, so why don't you start? I am also curious to know where I'm going to go with this. Uh, Why don't I start? (laughs) I'll start. Uh, so there were there have been two uh, two big uh, veteran versus young guy stories I would say in the last uh, week and one of them was big news today and I think everybody knows about it it's um, Bryce Harper getting pretty aggressively called out by Rafael Soriano um, after uh, Harper was unable to catch the game tying double. Uh, hit by Gregor Blanco last night. I think it was a double. might have been a triple. Um, and he was, you know, whether he could have caught it or not is disputable, but he was clearly sort of uh, terrified of the wall, uh, what with his being concussed Which is and interesting like in light of when we talked about that lately. Yes, recently. his, his uh, I'm never going to quit right. playing hard even if it kills mm-hmm. me tweet. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Soriano said a four-year-old could have been in position for that. His four-year-old, not just any four-year-old, <laughs> Raphael Soriano's four-year-old, who is well known to be terrible at defense, <laughs> right. uh, could have caught it. And um, you know, I mean, it was, it was really. Uh, he he walked it back and said he thought it was off the record, which changes literally nothing. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it, it. I guess it it changes what you thought his intent was of saying mm-hmm. it, but it doesn't change that he was he's saying that to a person who's you know in the media, um, and. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's a big story that everybody's heard of. I, I don't know if everybody is familiar with the uh, Jordani Valdespin stuff, but probably a lot of people are, and maybe not quite as many. Mm-hmm. So I'll sum that up. That's from about a week ago uh, when Valdespin 
hit a home run in the ninth inning of a, a game that he was his team was losing pretty badly, and and he pimped his home run. He he looked at it. He flipped his bat. He he watched it, etc. And uh, he was facing Jose Contreras, and um, it was the reaction among his own teammates was so negative that they have now come out in public and really ripped him and said he needs to to grow up. Um, and his own manager even the next night uh, sent him out to pinch hit. Uh, and if you believe the writers who have covered this, n- that his manager Collins probably knew that. I mean, he probably sent him out there specifically to get drilled, knowing that he was going to get drilled and that he had to like take his lumps. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see a, uh, you know, you you see this team really uh, rallying in defense of their their veteran opponent and uh, you know being concerning themselves with the way that their young teammate played. And both of these, I think, are it's hard to. To, I, I think that it's hard to dispute that both of them are, are really stories of veteran versus young player. And baseball, uh, Major League Baseball, um, has, I think, a complicated relationship with its young players. Um, and you see here, I think that there's a, a somewhat of an, of, an, of an inequality in the way that young players are treated. Uh, I don't think nearly the big deal would have been made if, uh, you know, Prince Fielder or even, um, you know, name a veteran who's not very good, like uh, uh, Joaquin Arias, I don't know, uh, had had done what uh, Valdespin had done. I don't think it would have been a big deal. And I think if it had been, uh, say, a rookie closer ripping a veteran right fielder, it would have been a much bigger deal, even even with it being Bryce Harper. I think that it didn't quite rise to the same level of attention as it, as it would have been if a, um, you know, if, if Trevor Rosenthal had ripped Carlos Beltran uh, for a similar thing, something like that. Um, so I just wanted to, to to note these two stories and wonder if you think that uh, if it if it leaves you any sort of sour taste in your mouth to see um, veterans in general get a lot more leeway and to see young players in general uh, really have to walk on eggshells for a few years knowing that um that they are not going to be given much benefit of the doubt and that uh, people are in a lot of ways looking for the thing wrong uh, to point out about their behavior i guess so uh i guess i don't know that i was really surprised by by either instance i was i was surprised I guess just by how how vocal Soriano was and how how blunt he was about it, and maybe that is because he didn't think he was going to be quoted. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, Harper has always been under more scrutiny than than any player really uh, of the same age, and he sort of developed a, a reputation as as a possible clubhouse problem type. Uh, long before we even saw him in the majors and and really he hasn't been that kind of guy at all uh since he since he made the majors he he's been pretty much a a model citizen um but there was always that sense that that he i don't know was kind of full of himself or immature um and i i wonder whether it was true then whether it was ever true and he has uh, surmounted that or has grown out of that or whether it really wasn't ever true and people were just looking extra hard for for any sign that that was the case just because it was Bryce Harper. Um, or or the, the third option is that it is true mm-hmm. and it remains true and, and that it simply has, well. has 
Yeah, that he's hidden it slash um, that you know that he's been kind of protected to some degree, and that I mean, I, yeah. you know, it's 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 conceivable that Soriano. I mean, you know, it's this is to some degree. I, like I, I tend to think that Soriano is completely in the wrong in this case, and and all that. But you know, you might you might argue that this is smoke, and that if a teammate mm-hmm. is bad mouthing him like this uh, on or off the record, it suggests that that you know maybe his teammates don't think he's all that. Yeah, that's possible. It's it suggests it's possible. I'm not suggesting that it is true, right. but it's, yeah, I, it's I guess possible. most of the stuff that I've heard about him as a teammate seems to be pretty positive. And you'd think if there if there were more dissatisfaction with him, that that would be something that beat writers would just be going after constantly because it would be a a popular story if if Bryce Harper were disliked by everyone on the Nationals. Um, so yeah, uh, I I, I mean Valdespin. If if the reports were accurate, I I think I remember reading that he he basically tried to to fake an injury or fake a, an illness to avoid going to the plate to get drilled, um, and then I also read that he sort of threw some sort of tantrum after the game that that uh, his teammates didn't back him up or didn't hit someone to retaliate for for his being hit, um, which. You know, if those reports were accurate, then I don't know that it's so much a, a rookie veteran thing as it is a veteran Valdespin thing. I mean, that would seem... I mean, if that behavior is, is characterized accurately and has been reported accurately, then that seems like the sort of thing that even if, if a veteran did it would, would be pretty unpopular. Uh, yeah, but a veteran probably wouldn't be sent out to pinch hit the next night in order to throw that tantrum, you know? Yeah. What are the odds that, what are the odds that they would have sent? I guess it depends on the veteran, mm-hmm. perhaps, but, uh, like I see Marlon Bird quoted here in this story. Do you think Marlon Bird would have been sent out to be hit the next day? Uh, no, I guess maybe he would have just been in the lineup regularly, but probably wouldn't have been sent out specifically to be taught a lesson. Um... So I don't. Yeah, I'm. So, yeah, I, I feel. I, I feel a bit torn about this because. Um, I mean, I. I think that. I really like young players. I like. I like watching young players a lot, and uh, I. I find myself rooting for them a lot more than I would root probably for a lot of veterans. With you know, with a few exceptions, I think that there's. Uh, like the aging curve for my love is the opposite of the normal aging curve. It. It starts out. It's like a reverse parabola. It starts up real high, and then it. It you know goes down 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 and then once you get to you know your your novelty seasons like your Jason Giambi then I fall in love all over again mm-hmm. um, and so it does sort of break my heart a little bit to see what I what what sometimes seems like unfair treatment to players and and also um, because it feels like there's to some degree you wonder how much of this is creates sort of long term. Uh, neuroses for these players, uh, you know. These uh, you take a guy like like A Rod, who was uh, vilified from the time he was, you know, seventeen years old uh, in a lot of ways, and you wonder, well, is the is the fact that we hate A Rod now just tied to the fact that you know he got an unfair shake early on? People expected him to behave uh, well. Maybe they didn't. I don't even know that anybody expected him to behave anyway. He was just he he's a target because he was young and he was good, uh, and I always you know, worry about that mm-hmm. happening to young players uh, in general. But on the other hand, uh, I tend to think that most of these guys are sociopathic and that uh, they are, you know, they're they're not, they didn't make the majors because they're, 
they're great people who are really well adjusted. A lot of them are horrible people and a lot of them are horribly adjusted. And it's the role of the team, it's the role of the front office, it's the role of the management, the manager, it's the role of whoever wants to take on the role to somehow turn these, this group of 25 people who probably comprise 23 sociopaths into a cohesive unit that's capable of living with each other for six months at a time. And I guess there's probably some real benefit to this. I mean, if, uh, if you have to kind of boot camp people out of their bad habits, um, there's, you know, maybe it's maybe it's worth it. Maybe this is the only way that any of these guys survive into the, uh, you know, long enough to hit 500 home runs and, mm-hmm. and and reach milestones and go to the Hall of Fame and stuff. Yeah, that's that's possible. And I guess I can see where it comes from. I mean, there's there's sort of an implicit threat with the appearance of of any rookie, uh, just because there are only 25 roster spots on a team, and whenever a, a young player takes one of those spots, he's He's generally taking it from a veteran. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess I can understand why it would be threatening. But that's the, yeah, that's the worst way to look at it, though. If it's that, then it's just awful and it's bad and it's abusive. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's all it is, it's horrible. Right. We should, we should have, we should have a, yeah, well, a pretty clear uh, opinion on it if that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're trying to be more generous than that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it seems like a stretch to me to think that, that Soriano was trying to make Harper a better player by showing him tough love or something. Um, yeah, seems... that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I guess I can understand the, the origin of it and the the hazing and everything. And I guess, I mean, most of the time, uh, I guess baseball hazing is pretty harmless. It's more of the, like, wearing a pink backpack or whatever uh, than it is truly cruel stuff. Um, although I guess there are exceptions to that. I think it's also a lot more than you realize that it's the pink backpack stuff, but you only see that one day a year. I think it's actually pretty constant throughout your rookie year that, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to get the veterans bottled water. You have to, you know, when you're on the bus, you have to run the errands, all that sort of stuff. I think it's a, it's a pretty, uh, diligent campaign but it, it's never particularly nasty i think is is what they would say when you were in high school was there was there like a haze the freshman thing uh there were threats of uh-huh. it uh and that was enough we uh we were all terrified of it and <laughs> i remember not going to the first rally uh because everybody knew that freshmen would have puppy uh, we were sophomores we i went to a 10 12 but everybody knew that sophomores would have uh, puppy food thrown at them and so <laughs> We, none of us went, but sounds horrible. You know, a bunch a bunch of sophomores actually did go, and there was no puppy food at all. It was just it was really it was more like it was the threat. It was like uh, it always it always confused me. I mean, I went to the less the the least the least threatening high school in in the country. I mean, there was no no actual uh, fear or anything, but it was just so strange that it was like as soon as. You got to be a sophomore. You were expected to, I don't know, like not necessarily haze the freshmen, but look down on them in some way. And I, I just always thought, why, why are we doing that? We were, we were them like three months ago. Why would we suddenly treat them differently? They, they pretty much are us. Uh, so I never really understood that. But there was no. 
there's no threat to it or anything, but I, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's probably a, a little more elevated in a, in a major league clubhouse. Um, now, I will say that the first year that I spent in prison <laughs> right. was... Well, that's different, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, go ahead. Talk about Griffin. All right, so uh, the Dodgers, there were some comments made by, by Don Mattingly that reminded me of something uh, that was briefly a story a couple months ago or a few months ago. Uh, it was it was late February, and there was a, a comment by Brandon Belt, uh, who said something like um, he was I, he was asked about the Dodgers and how they got all these new players over the winter, and maybe they were the favorites and everything. And so Belt said, "You can't buy chemistry," uh, suggesting that you know when you when you just kind of buy a team via free agency or, or trade for a bunch of people and just put them together, they, they don't gel immediately. And, uh, and that the giants still had the chemistry going for them of having been together for a few years. And I, I sent those comments to Russell Car- Carlton and he, he wrote an article about it, just kind of looking to see whether teams that had less turnover, uh, outperformed expectations in some way. Um, and he found a, a very small, very modest effect that that was in the direction of that, at least that that less turnover teams uh, benefited players. But it wasn't it wasn't a big effect. It wasn't anything that you would really plan around or uh, decide not to bring in a, a bunch of new players because of that. Anyway, um, so Don Mattingly made some comments yesterday, and and they were uh, also pretty pretty blunt comments and and I guess maybe we were talking about him being on the wobbly seat recently uh, by the way I thought a lot about this today uh-huh. and I think it's got I think it has to be wobbly chair because almost anything can be a seat I was sitting on a sofa cushion at the time which is a seat mm-hmm. and there's no wobble in a sofa cushion I, I think it has to be a chair to, to really evoke okay. the wobble okay so he's on the wobbly chair and uh, <laughs> maybe he is Trying to, uh, I don't know, maybe he's trying to save himself by making some some dramatic gesture. But anyway, he he came out and he benched Andre Ethier uh, and sort of sort of questioned his his toughness um, and and really extended that to the entire team uh, pretty much. And he he said uh, he was asked if he was trying to send a message and he said, we're in last place in the national league West last year. At this point, we're playing a lineup that basically has nobody in it that fights and competes and battles you every day for every inch of the field. We talk about it as an organization. We've got to find the club with talent that will fight and compete like the club that doesn't have that talent. If there's going to be a message sent, it's going to be over a period of time. Uh, And I guess the Dodgers were in first place at this time last year, I think. Um, so, and he, he also said, uh, part of it is your mixture of your competitiveness too. Uh, it's not just all, let's go put an all-star team out there and play games and the team with the all-star team wins. It's trying to find that balance of a team that's got a little grit and a little fight. They'll fight you and has enough talent to get there also with that. All grit and no talent is not going to get you there. And all talent and no grit is not going to get you there. There's got to be a mixture of both. Um so it seemed sort of from before the season started that grit was just going to be the story of the NL West one way or another. Um, I mean, the emphasis that the Diamondbacks put on that and how everyone focused on the Diamondbacks' uh, search for grit over the winter 
seem to suggest that I guess how they did would kind of be a referendum on on the importance of grit uh, and that if they ended up in first place, which is where they are right now, tied with the Rockies, I guess, um, that it would be kind of a, a point in grit's favor that certainly columnists would would write many articles about how uh, grit allowed them to transcend uh, you know their various parts and be better um, and and then there was the Dodgers which was kind of the opposite or at least they didn't seem to put any special emphasis on grit and they just kind of went out and got good famous players and put them all together on one team. So uh, now we're a couple months into the season and the Diamondbacks are in first place and the Dodgers are in last place. Uh, grit is getting some credit for the Diamondback success and now lack of grit is getting blamed uh, for the Dodgers struggles by, by the Dodgers manager. Uh, so grit is now even more of a story in the NOS than it was probably before the season. And I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to make that observation and I guess, um, ask you, I don't know whether you, whether you think grit has really been a factor in the fact. Oh my gosh, Ben. <laughs> the fact Come that, on. That's your question. Uh, that's a, that's an awful question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Would would the would this would, how much of the the six game difference in the in the standings between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers right now is is relative team grit? I mean, can we can we explain the Dodgers struggles without going to grit? Uh, is it, I mean, does it can we make sense of it without falling back on that explanation? And obviously, Mattingly has has a better sense of whether they are gritty uh, than we do. And you know, it occur. Yeah, it occurs to me that that maybe the one of the number one ways that we measure managers uh, unofficially is by how much grit they're able to muster. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in a way, this might be Mattingly um, kind of preemptively defending. I don't know if it's defending himself, but getting ahead of the no grit story, which is going to land on right. him, uh, and turning it into a no grit story that he is trying to throw onto the players. Uh, and the interesting thing about his quotes was kind of that he seemed to th to to be uh, blaming his front office to some mm -hmm. degree uh, for the lack of grit, as though uh, this is uh, you know li like almost like like he knows that it's his job to make gritty warriors out of men, mm -hmm. and he's saying that you know the the lack of grit uh, preceded him that these are guys who are notably ungritty or something like that, but. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I tend to think that, well, okay, so two things. One is that I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm completely agnostic on the topic, and I think we all should be. Um, I remember hearing, it's interesting that Belt said that, because uh, the Giants last year were such a grit-infused narrative mm -hmm. that I wondered whether, uh, the, the Diamondbacks' decision to go grit was credited to Kirk Gibson, um, a gritter himself, mm -hmm. But I wondered whether that it was actually a deliberate attempt copy to grit. copy right. the, to copy the Giants. That this was like that that somebody in the Diamondbacks front office looked at it and said grit is the new is the new is the new OBP or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and so it's interesting that Belt said that. But I, I think I remember one of the Giants saying I think it was one of the Giants saying that um, that 
he doesn't know, you know, how much to credit grit or how much not to credit grit. But one thing he knows is that every single team he's ever he's ever been on that has won had that thing, and every team he's ever been on that didn't win didn't have that thing. And you could argue cause and effect and all that, but um, there was, you know, that the, there was a sense that um, that uh, you know. I think it. Well, geez, I don't know how to put this, but I think it's fair to to point out that talent uh, doesn't necessarily correlate that strongly to victories. It correlates strongly, very strongly, but there's a lot of there's a lot of unaccounted for swings, and we mostly credit those swings to luck and fluctuation. Um, but um, you know, from the player's perspective, you have to wonder like why you start at the beginning of the year, and you know your team's not as good as that team. You can just look at the roster. You know, you know who's better, and yet at the end of the year, you win more games than they do. Uh, it, you know, you you have to wonder if there's some sort of, um, uh, I don't know, a, emotional aspect to it that um, that gets credit, and you want to feel like it is. It it feels better that way. It feels sort of morally upstanding to win because you wanted it more, and so you can understand why players would mm-hmm. would credit it and. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm agnostic because I want to give players some credit for knowing more than I do and being in there, uh, and yet I, you know, I tend to think that it's, uh, you know, I, I tend to think that most of the fluctuation in baseball can be fairly easily uh, captured by statistics. Um, but uh, what was the question? How many the six games? There's six games between mm-hmm. them. How many do I think have to do with grit? I would say none. I think that probably grit matters. Grit, grit is such a <laughs> all-encompassing word in this case. But I, I've I've come to believe that makeup, I guess, is a better way of saying it. Uh, gets more and more important the longer the timeline that you're looking at. And so I would say that uh, for the purposes of these six weeks, uh, I doubt that it has much to do with it. If you were planning a roster, though, I would certainly be uh, probably happier to have gritty guys or. Uh, good makeup guys than not good makeup guys because I would think that three or four or five years down the road the effects uh, would start to multiply a little bit more. How much uh, I mean it seems to me that that a large percentage of a manager's job is is kind of unlocking that inner grit or maximizing the grit of the players on the roster. Um, it's I think in in the public's in the public's mind that's like ninety five percent of their job. Yeah, so I don't know to to come out and and suggest that I guess that you were you were burdened with just inherently ungritty players and and it's not your fault. I mean, not that he came out and said it's not my fault, but. But yeah, you're right. He's, I mean, he's kind of putting the onus on the players or on the front office who assembled those players. And I don't know, maybe that, maybe that is fair. Um, I can't really say from where I am, but I don't know. I, I would, I would like to think that my manager could at least get the most out of the players that I assemble. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to to hear him making these comments, I guess. When you read these comments, did it occur to you? Everybody immediately said, okay, well, Mattingly's gone. Mattingly's going to get fired any day now. Did it occur to you at all that um, perhaps this is actually something that the front office wants him to say, that he's uh, passing along a message to the team that, 
you know, that basically has been approved from on high and that uh, he's trying to put each of them on the wobbly chair? <laughs> uh, that could be. I guess, I don't know. I saw it more of uh, sort of a last-ditch effort to either inspire his team or or give everyone the perception that he inspired them because if they now suddenly start playing well, then we will look back and say the Dodgers are, have won this many games since since Mattingly criticized their grit. Um, yeah, if you're a manager on the wobbly chair, what you really want to do is something drastic yes, almost every sort day. Of old you know, closed door yeah, meetings. Yeah, you know. <laughs> It's, it's going to turn around without right. a doubt. And the worst thing that can happen to a manager is for there not to have been some event at the turning <laughs> point that you could take credit yes. for. So you basically want to bench somebody every day or get somebody demoted or mm-hmm. uh, have, you know, have the third baseman pitch or something. Like every day you need to do something <laughs> nuts because then one of them will hit. Right. Yes. And <laughs> there's, a, there's a poll in this LA, Tame, LA Times story by... Dylan Hernandez that I'm reading from, uh, and it, it the question is phrased in a very confusing way. It says, is Dodger Andre Ethier not mentally tough enough? Uh, mm, which took me okay. a while to, <laughs> to figure out. What's wrong with that? That's perfect. What do, what do you have? I don't know. Can it just say, is, is he, he mentally, mentally tough, tough enough? enough? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that right. It would be less confusing. So, so 57% of people who have voted in that poll uh, have said that yes, he is not mentally tough enough. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means don't read polls. Right. You know what? You know what bums me out, Ben. What? Every year I do this uh, huge predictions challenge with a friend of mine. We predict about five hundred things, and one of the things we do is first manager fired. Mm-hmm. And uh, the day before opening day, I changed my first manager fired from Don Mattingly to Clint Hurdle. Mm just kills me yeah right you know we never get that one right i mean that one's one of the hardest ones to get right so mm-hmm. although it shouldn't be you I should, guess you should go with the, like a one maybe with the, i don't know with the team with the highest expectations or right it's yeah. always tricky you go with you basically you look at two things you look at lousy team that's overpaid and or that's paid a lot or you look at horrible horrible team that's had the same manager for a little while mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, we're done. We have one more show tomorrow. Tune in to hear Sam do the intro uh, and email us at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.